This is a show about getting spooked for fun, and neither one of the hosts are associated with the attractions discussed in any way. Except for those skeletons in Devin's closet. Some topics may go from ghoulish to ghastly, so viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to The Great American Scream. Who's there? A uh, boo. A boo who? Oh, don't cry. It's just a spooky ghost. <laughs> ah. And as you can tell by my incredible comedy skills, we are talking about comedy in horror in this episode of The Great American Scream. Yeah, well, my name is Devin Wright. Hello. My name is Adam McConnell. And what's that episode of SpongeBob where they're cleaning the Flying Dutchman's ship and he's like, I want it to look good and scary. And he's like, oh, it looks so scary. You forget that it doesn't look good. <laughs> I feel similarly about <laughs> about the podcast about the podcast. Yes. But then specifically about that intro bit. Oh, OK. That's good. I speaking of horror and comedy, SpongeBob, a very funny show and an episode that's very scary is the one about fish hooks. Do you remember? Yeah. Hooked. One, yo ho, hooked. yo ho near the hooks. I'll never go. <laughs> exactly. Uh, as I started talking about that episode a little while ago and I described to him how intensely terrifying that episode was to me and is to this day. And I don't know why. It yeah, that's not what I was peg is like the most scary one. It's just, it's so, it's very scary. Have you ever seen the and one? I won't take any criticism. The scary one is, and it was a later episode too, is when the, they're like moving Squidward's couch and it like drags and knocks his toenail off after SpongeBob yes. went to like gross out humor. Disgusting. Anyway, that's not what this episode's about. Yeah, this episode is all about SpongeBob. <laughs> We're going to talk about our favorite episodes and why they're so spooky. Which is weird because we have talked about spooky SpongeBob on this before. Yeah, but anyway, um, we're going to talk about the genre of horror comedy. Uh, mm-hmm. you, we, you can see we've already lost the plot on what's supposed yep. to be going on. But I'm excited to talk about it because I love to laugh. And besides horror, my favorite genre of pretty much anything is comedy. And yeah. by definition, like horror and comedy really shouldn't work together as well as they do. But they're two of the most frequently paired genres. So yeah. we'll talk about the genre of horror comedy, uh, its history, why it works, and also some of our personal favorite examples. For sure. So the the first thing to nut to kind of crack is why horror comedy works. Mm-hmm. So the individual, and now we're kind of going to get into fun science territory, the individual genres of comedy and horror, at least in film, elicit the most visceral reactions of any other film genre. So like a good mm. comedy, like there are two of the genres that make you have physical reactions to things. A good comedy will make you laugh out loud and a good horror movie will make you scream or jump. Like they, they are immediate physical reactions that you can clock in other people. Right. Yeah. And they affect us on this very base humanistic level. And that is why they are two of the most popular film genres. The highest praise for any comedy movie, like when you see them advertise, it's, oh, this movie is laugh out loud funny. And then the highest right. praise for a horror movie is people screaming. Like, there are some horror movies now that advertise with just videos of people in the theater screaming yeah. and jumping. Paranormal activity comes to mind. Yeah, exactly. I think that was one of the first that did it. But um, yeah. so saying. Well, Psycho did it. Oh, did like films like of Psycho. people in the theater? Well, no, like the whole thing we talked about. Well, it. no, yeah, Phoenix we talked about like people, people not getting. Oh, okay, I see what you mean. Screaming. I see what you mean. Yes, yes, yes. 
saying that was so funny or that was so scary is kind of like all they have to be on like a basic level, not as like a good movie, but as an effective comedy or horror film. And it's probably one of the first things you'll say when you leave a good comedy or a good horror movie, respectively. Yeah. And we talked about it a bit with like haunted uh, houses, the the feelings of fear and and like laughter are pretty dang close like when you get scared by something that isn't actually a threat to you that the next emotion you generally feel is like oh ha 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 yeah exactly I got so scared isn't that funny and it also like seeing other people get scared is one like very funny to other people that are spectating which uh is super interesting and also we talked about on the pride episode a bit about like horror being the least risky genre Mm -hmm. for a lot of movies and for production companies and comedy is up there as well so it makes sense that like if you put them together you make even more bags of money yeah and obviously we like laughing because it releases endorphins and it makes us feel good happy people don't kill yeah and uh when those endorphins are released it also promotes feelings of togetherness which is why going to see a comedy movie with a bunch of friends or in a theater with a lot of other people where everyone's laughing is a lot more fun than just watching it by yourself on the couch. Like you're going to laugh during both, but you'll laugh right. way more in the group setting. Right. When you were 15 and you snuck into a showing of neighbors with your 17 year old friends, <laughs> that was a way funnier movie because you were in there together and the and the fear you had because you were 15 years old. And I don't think your parents knew that you were going to the AMC in Middletown to watch neighbors which was an r-rated movie it was a very exciting and very scary time but it was also a very funny time meanwhile in 2018 when you tried to rewatch neighbors because of your great nostalgic feelings it wasn't a very funny movie no yeah and like i think when i see a bad comedy movie if i'm seeing it in the theater with other people i'll still laugh right if yeah. i watch it back again later i'll go oh this wasn't funny the only movie that i laugh the same amount in both the theater and at home is blades of glory Blades of Glory slaps to this day. Blades of Glory has not gotten less funny as I've gotten older, which is what I fully expected it to do. It continues. Honestly, it gets funnier. Yeah. If we were doing a comedy, if this was a show that wasn't a funny show about scary stuff, but was instead a funny show about funny stuff. And we did a pride special. We would talk about the gay subtext in Blades <laughs> of Glory because that scene where he has the hot the hot dog bun and there are two hot dogs in the hot does dog bun. Does this look right the, to you? The vendor goes, does this look right to you? <laughs> is incredible. But if, again, if this was a separate podcast, this is all I do, actually, is I just... <laughs> Try I just and make this posit, podcast a different podcast. I, I posit that this podcast is not what it is. But if this was a podcast about, like, film theory and stuff, we could talk about how... Even poor quality horror movies or poor quality comedy movies tend to succeed in theaters because the togetherness aspect of it makes even poorly executed comedy or poorly executed horror still entertaining, Mm -hmm. which is bad for the medium of film as a whole. But luckily, we're not on this podcast and we're not a bunch of snobs, so we can talk about how even bad horror is good and bad comedy is good. We've all kind of figured that out with comedy. Like, we know comedy makes us feel good and that's why we go see funny movies. So what about horror movies and screaming and getting scared? Mm. So what I have found in my research is that uh, horror movies trigger inherent survival instincts in humans. We Uh have a... Give me a sec. I have to write it down. Okay. We have an animalistic natural fear of uh, being bitten or eaten by predatory animals. And the little yelp that we expel when we are jump scared is 
like uh-huh. instinctively a like lizard brain warning signal to other animals that there is danger. Yeah. That's crazy, right? No, I'm so with you. I I'm on this I'm on this science this peer-reviewed scientific journey with yeah. you. But I like went to take a sip of my drink and then you were like we have a natural fear of being bitten and eaten by a predatory animal. We like, do. Yeah, that's true. I don't know how it relates to horror films, but I'm so, so with afraid you, of alligators. Which is why the scariest movie of all time is Sharknado, <laughs> because you're the problem with the shark tornado is that you're always in danger of being bit. Because okay. even if you dodge one shark, there's angles. another shark coming around. <laughs> So, but here's the thing, too, is that like that sounds ridiculous because we're pretty smart and we can almost like when this happens, we can immediately recognize that we are not in any actual danger. Right. Um, Especially when we're watching a movie when it's so removed. Sometimes we can't recognize it like you going onto the Tower of Terror. No, then I am you. That moment doesn't occur to you. And you go, I'm not safe, actually. Let me take the weenie. I told you about roller coasters and it's that I fully believe that I will be safe and will not die on roller coasters. My fear, quite frankly, is that the ride will work perfectly correctly. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Okay. But so we can immediately recognize that we are not in danger. So for many people, that adrenaline rush becomes pleasurable. And it's why so many people laugh after getting scared. It increases your heart rate and it releases dopamine. And dopamine is released when we're scared as a kind of reward for responding to the threat. Because your brain's like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. Very good job. You can have a little of dopamine as a treat. I like that a lot. I like that we are just we are just a dog and our brain is is Pavloving us to be like, you screamed. Yay. Well, and that's why that the, the difference between people who love horror movies and people who hate horror movies, a lot of the time can literally just boil down to the way your brain is wired. Yeah. And and even if it's not like something we could pin down molecularly, yeah. it, it's something that the two people could agree and say, and this is how I was with a lot of horror films for a very long time. And for some, to some extent, I still am. But you go, oh, well, the jump scare happens and I like jump in my seat and then somebody else goes, yeah, me too. And I go, I hate that. And they go, I love that. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Like a different. uh, It's like Stephen Colbert talking about the like discomfort that you get when you're like in an improv bit and nobody's (laughs) laughing. And he talks about how he loves that feeling. And I think that he's a maniac. (laughs) An insane person. (laughs) Yeah. But um, and for some people like and this is not about like you have to learn to like horror movies because you don't. But right. for some people, learning to like horror movies is just kind of a, a practice in watching a bunch and getting used to this feeling. Because the more you right. watch, the less it's going to affect you, like the less jump scares will start to affect you. Yeah, I when you gave me a list of I think it was for the Pride episode mm-hmm. of clips to watch, which you sometimes give me. I full on had a full jump scare moment in my chair like where i'm sitting right now where we record the podcast mm-hmm. ezra was doing work and i like leapt back in what my chair was and made, it? like i don't remember it was just some big jump scare and the feeling of it i don't think i've experienced that in a long time and i kind of liked it i was like i like turned to ezra and i was like oh my god you get because like it's this rush of like i'm alive you know <laughs> See, Adam, that's what I get when I go on roller coasters. No, I get the feeling that my stomach wants to egress out my ear. Yeah, that's and that goes, oh, I'm alive. Bad feeling. 
But so but anyway, let's talk about um, some of the most popular techniques for horror comedy and kind of the categories that horror comedy f- films fall into, like what devices they use and how they do horror comedy and what movies fall into what. So one of the yeah, and and I want to preface this. Uh, Adam gave me a nice playlist to to watch, and I think these as a whole fall into a few different categories. There are horror films that utilize comedy very well. Mm -hmm. There are films that are pure horror and comedy fusion, Mm -hmm. which I think are some of the best. And then there are like comedy movies that use a horror frame. Yeah, exactly. So this first kind of category is just that kind of putting comedic characters into a horror story. So in these uh, comedic characters are kind of there for the jokes and then the horror elements are played straight. It's kind of this like dropping them into this scary situation and then usually having that scary situation therefore not be as scary just because of the way that they're reacting to it. Right. It was probably first done with uh, 1948's Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein, which is one of my just obsessed with favorite movies. It's so funny. Yeah. Um, it follows the comedic duo as they run into Frankenstein, Dracula, and the Wolfman, who, uh, fun fact, both Bella Lugosi and Lon Chaney Jr. reprised their roles in this film. Wow. While Frankenstein's monster, while played by a different actor named Glenn Strange, he was coached by Boris Karloff to play Frankenstein in a couple other movies. And like, wow. no other movies today would do this. That's like going to Robert Downey Jr. and being like, hey, we're making like Disaster Movie 2. Will you play, will you play Iron Man in it? He'd go, absolutely not. <laughs> I like to think that he would say yes. But you know he would. That man's done worse. All yeah. right, then it's more like Ben Affleck being like, "Hey, we're making a d- disaster movie for. Will you come yeah. play Batman in Batman. it?" Batman. Yeah. Like, of course he's not going to do it. But back then they were like, "Yeah, sure, whatever, my dude." And yeah. This movie is super funny, and it plays this trope oh totally straight with uh, Abbott and Costello cracking jokes as they are terrorized by monsters. It's very much the Scooby Doo kind of slaps it like you run into the room there's the monster you run around to turn around the other right. way and run yeah and the comedy comes from abbott and costello being funny mm-hmm. it doesn't come from the movie being funny if that makes right. sense like obviously the script is funny but like i i was saying to adam the the clip that he sent me was the moment where dracula is in the in the casket and the they're talking and he goes i heard a noise he goes oh it's the wind and he goes, ah, oh, it needs to be, it needs to be oiled. <laughs> like that's that, that You're line, crazy. a hilarious B has no right being in a quote unquote horror movie. Yeah. And it's so good. I, I think with that too, cause there's nothing about the story of this film that like two night watchmen who run into these monsters, there's nothing about that. That's funny. It's funny, the fact that yeah. they're these characters that are, which right. by the way, in the, Abbott and Costello. in the movie aren't like, they're not billed as Abbott and Costello, but that's basically right. what that would be wild. Yeah. If, <laughs> if like, this, the, the, story of the film was Abbott and Costello have failed in show business. I kind of wish that was back to be security guards. That's something you know that, what that reminds today. me. That reminds me of the, the Penn and Teller nuke Las Vegas Halloween Horror Nights. Oh my God. That we talked about. I want to do a whole episode about that again. Can we just do another one? <laughs> yeah. Penn and Teller nuke Las Vegas. It, it's literally as though James Franco and Seth Rogen made <laughs> a film today where they were Seth Rogen and James Franco. No, they did. This broke. is this is the end. Have you seen This is the End? Oh, This is the End is we can do a whole episode. That's exactly about that. what That's, that movie is. They're playing the themselves. Yeah. Good for me for making that link in my head. Yeah, and good, then job. good for you for for pulling out the actual thing. 
Yeah, you're totally right. Another example of this trope is uh, what we do in the shadows. To the, uh, this is one of the best movies ever one made. Of, I think it's Ezra's favorite movie. Uh, it's probably my favorite movie too. Uh, directed by Taika Waititi, who is also one of my favorite directors. Oh yeah, it's probably my favorite example, favorite movie, favorite example of this genre of horror comedy. Um, so if you haven't seen it, watch it. It's a mockumentary about four vampire roommates living in a flat in New Zealand, and kind of like what a day-to-day vampire life would be like. Right. They deal with things like a gang of werewolves and an ancient vampire ball and burning to death from sunlight, like stuff that would be treated fairly seriously in any other vampire movie, but treated as kind of like any mundane person. Like, they're just people, but they're vampires. Right. It's it's literally, it's a documentary. This one falls pretty clearly in this, like, comedy. It is a comedy film. Yes. But it uses horror as a frame. Yeah. And as a as a kind of aesthetic and a, a way to motivate the story going on. Like, there is nothing funnier than these actors being both, like, like that Dracula accent, but also Kiwi accent. Yeah. Is so funny. And the, yeah, the mundanity of, of the film I is am why it's so charming. With- <laughs> it's so funny. I'm obsessed it's, with Tyka's character so in this movie. He's adorable. Oh wakey, wakey. <laughs> my favorite scene in this movie is actually at the beginning when he goes to wake up Peter, the like Nosferatu, 8,000 year old vampire. Ooh, that's a spinal column. That's gross. <laughs> it's all- <laughs> And that movie also, again, we could do a whole episode about it. It The creation of that movie is also wild. Uh, what's the name of the the human guy? That Which one? It. The nice one? The one that they like? Yeah, or the, one the they nice hate? guy. Stu. No, the, Stu. He was just a PA on set. Yeah. Originally, which is like... And they just brought him in. They were like, hey, start doing... Yeah. Which kind of rings in the same way of those old Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein type of movies where it genuinely just feels like people were just like having fun. Yeah. And like making a thing, which is so hard to find nowadays, but... There is Whatever. a What We Do in the Shadows TV show on FX written by Taika yeah. Waititi and Jermaine Clemens. It's also on Hulu. Watch it. It's hilarious. Is it they good? Just came, it's really good. They just came out with their second season. It's just like the movie. It's great. Another one I want to talk about with this kind of type of horror comedy is I lumped these together. Um, Shaun of the Dead 2004 and 2009 yeah. Zombieland. Yes. Uh, more so Shaun of the Dead than Zombieland, but I think they both kind of fit into this. Uh, I yeah. think these are really funny because they give us an idea of what the average Joe would do in a, the zombie apocalypse or any horror setting. Like right. so many horror movies, especially zombie movies, have either characters who are like once in a lifetime oafs who make stupid. Like we yell at the screen because right. they're being so stupid and they do stupid stuff and they die or just absolute like one shot kill monsters who are there to save right. humanity. And these movies feature characters who are in the in between, characters who were average people who like adapted to this apocalypse. Yeah. They show healthy amounts of doubt. They're really relatable. And like Shaun of the Deads is probably more on the oh oaf my. end of the spectrum. Oh yeah. And then Zombieland is more on the like adept at the zombie apocalypse end of the spectrum. But both of them kind of show us like what would what we would do in the zombie apocalypse. Right. It, it kind of uh, both of these movies do like most zombie films are fantasy films. Yeah. They're action and fantasy movies before they're horror movies. Right. And it almost seems like Shaun of the Dead and Zombieland both take the realism as like realism as both a like concept and then also as a tool to like elevate the comedy. Mm -hmm. And it's almost as though through the film it it you start out as a normal film 
and you end as a zombie film. Like you literally go through the uh, like that journey. And I think personally, Shaun of the Dead and the whole Cordetto trilogy mm-hmm. are like so good. Obviously, Hot Fuzz wouldn't be included in that right. as much. But, but great movie. Though. But yeah, but also at World's End yes. is is similar God, as well. It's been a while since I saw that movie. It's ju- just really a- an example of using horror film and comedy film as specific mediums and marrying them rather than just like saying, oh, we want to do comedy and horror together. They both, these movies use the merits of film specifically and the genres of film, which I think is is all of these movies that we just talked about that fall into these like comedic characters in a horror story context. We would, for almost all of them, maybe not Zombieland, but for almost all of them, we would categorize them as comedy movies first. Right. Like if you had to pick one, for Abbott and Costello yeah. Frank and Side, what we do in the shadows, Shaun of the Dead, right. you pick comedy first. Yeah, and Zombieland, I feel like, almost gets there. I mean, the main shtick of that movie is that, what is his name, Memphis, uh, Dallas, uh, Tennessee. whatever his name is? Tennessee. <laughs> you, um, you were getting there. <laughs> Tallahassee, uh, not Tennessee. Tallahassee wants to get a Twinkie. Like, that's the whole yeah. movie, and they meet Bill Murray, and then they kill Bill Murray. Yeah, like, and it's like a comedy that, movie. It's definitely a comedy, but it, like, its finale is much more action than it is yes. comedy, um, which, like, Shaun of the Dead is is right in the middle. Yeah. And so the other kind of main approach, uh, which we would categorize these movies kind pretty much as horror movies first, uh, right. is kind of the, that use comedy as a tool. Yes. It is the meta approach. So the comedy of these movies comes from commenting on the horror genre and the recognition and subversion of the tropes that we are so used to seeing in the genre. And, the most notable example of this, and probably the movie that did it first, is Scream, 1996. Right. Uh, it's one of the first movies of its kind to do this. and Because the whole point of Scream... Scream is a slasher movie. Scream is a horror movie. Scream is a slasher movie. But the yeah. whole point of it is that the characters are self-aware. And they're self-aware because, spoiler alert, the killers are literally using horror films as inspiration and trying right. to make their lives into a horror movie because they're fans. So characters yeah. warn others about certain tropes. And there's that great yeah. scene when they're watching, I think it's Halloween, uh, and the guy gets up and he talks about how to survive a horror movie. He says, don't have sex or drink and do drugs because that'll get you killed. And never say, I'll be right back because that'll get you killed. And they keep right. talking about the different rules and how people in the movie end up dying because of disobeying these rules because the killers are literally using right. it as a rule book. It is one of the only examples of a true actual for real meta film mm-hmm. we, like people throw around the word meta everywhere they talk about marvel as if it's somehow meta when it is so completely not mm-hmm. scream literally is it it exists the movie exists in a world where horror all movies, exist, horror movies yeah. exist and a lot of horror films are not that way yeah and scream was screams a great movie and was so, so good. revolutionary in this way that it had a huge impact on the genre in the following years to the point where people refer to all the movies that came out after this as like post scream horror movies because it became very like in vogue to comment on the genre in a variety of slasher and horror films, especially teen slashers. So movies like I know what you did last summer, urban legend, bride of Chucky, final destination. And I always say Halloween H 20 but it's Halloween H 20. Right. But it is H 20 and like you said, nobody's done it in your notes. You say nobody's quite done it like Scream. Yeah. And that's 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 true. And I think a lot of the reasons why are that they almost gimmickify 
exactly what scream scream was doing they treat like, it as like parody as opposed to right. satire and they and they also still do like the difference between something like scream and the difference between these movies is that these movies would say oh i'm like the last girl i hope i i don't die until the end or mm-hmm. whatever and then that would play out yeah like that would happen within the span of 20 minutes whereas scream is wholly conceived around that idea yeah. rather than just using that idea for a one-off joke. Right. If that makes God. sense. Such a good movie. I have such a crush on Matthew Willard in this movie and that has nothing yeah, to unrelated. do nothing to do with anything, but it's very important that everybody who knows me knows that Matthew Willard is so cute in this movie. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, anyway. We'll definitely be sure to put that in our notes. <laughs> the uh the next uh one that I want to talk about in this genre that was kind of Really, I think the best way it's been executed since Scream is uh, 2011's Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. So it takes the same approach, but with the entire horror genre as opposed to just slashers, although mostly slashers, but uh, it kind of ramps it up all the way to 11. So in Cabin in the Woods, and spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movie, go watch it because the twist is really good and you're not going to want to get it spoiled for you. So uh, the characters discovered that they are actually staying in a cabin above a research facility that must please the old gods by uh, sacrificing people that fit five horror movie archetypes. The whore, the athlete, the scholar, the fool, and the virgin, with the order being arbitrary as long as the whore dies first and the virgin dies last or survives because she's the final girl. Right. And the the original title of the film was cabin in the woods above a research facility where they have to sacrifice the <laughs> so this facility this underground like business office uh pushes these characters into the archetypes by doing things like releasing pheromones to make them have sex uh giving them drugs to decrease rational thinking so whatever they can do to make them fit these archetypes so that they can sacrifice them and please the gods and stuff and the facility then releases a variety of monsters on them by different triggers in the cabin. And then there's that great scene where all the different departments of the facility are taking bets on which monsters the characters will end up triggering. There's like a whiteboard with all the options on it and like which department is betting on them. So it's stuff like killer clowns, these like shining style twins, a giant snake, a mummy. And it will say like research and development or like kitchen staff, like who's betting on which one. And there's one... I was looking at pictures of this whiteboard. There's one space on this whiteboard that just says Kevin that nobody oh. bet on. And later off in the movie, we get the payoff of seeing a lot of these monsters when they release them. Like the, the two survivors release all the monsters in the facility. Right. But we never get to see who Kevin is. That's because it looks exactly like me, but with dark hair and red eyes. <laughs> Negativen. It's it's Kevin. Yeah, no, it's just it's, I would say it's one of my favorite horror movies of all time. It's really funny. Super creative. Um, and as we talked about in the creature feature episode, it has really great special effects and creature designs yeah. because pretty much every monster we see on that whiteboard shows up in that scene when they're all released into the facility. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and the film as a whole, like you said, it's kind of like scream, but it, it almost elevates the idea of scream in that it has the villains are actually this like business and then that business, like that would be a horror movie in and of itself, right? Yeah. That the actual orchestrators of the horror are just like capitalistic pigs or whatever. And that's like the indictment of capitalism or whatever. But no, Cabin in the Woods goes, no, they're not just people 
in a business. They are a business solely dedicated to pleasing the, pleasing eldritch gods. Yeah, because if they like, don't, because so Sigourney Weaver's in this movie, which is a fun fact. Yes. But she's like the director of the, of the facility and she comes out and she says, like, if we don't do this, they will destroy the world. Like, we have to right. do this. Yeah. Which like there are so many levels to that movie yeah. that I think I, I think that movie did not also get its. I think yeah. a lot of horror fans talk about it as though it is an incredible movie, which I'm I well, it is part of it because it was it was advertised as a straight slasher because they right. didn't want to spoil wanna it. The twist. Yeah. Right. Um, so I feel like a lot of people just kind of write it off as like, oh, it's just another like weird slasher movie. But it's right. so much more. Um, and it's also yeah. really smart because it implies that many horror movies could exist in the cabin in the woods universe yeah. and are being controlled by this facility. Another meta film, actual yeah. for real meta film. Um, and so both of these versions, the comedic characters in a horror setting and the meta movie are typically formatted by having separate horror scenes and comedy scenes. So it's usually one scene right. that like, this is a scary scene and then a funny scene after, like usually they're not intermixed. Like there might be jokes cracked during a horror scene or whatever, but usually they're treated as kind of two separate things that exist in the same right. movie. And you're not supposed to, when they're cop, when they're jokes in a scary scene, you're not supposed to laugh at them. Yeah. It is comedy used to enhance horror. And I also want to mention parody too. We're not going to talk too much about of course, it, of but course. Uh, it's obviously horror comedy. And so movies like the scary movie series, these films are much more comedy than they are horror and are kind of an extreme example of the meta approach because they're parody. While right. meta will go for a combination of screams and laughs, the parody is basically like you're not meant to be afraid during right. one of the scary movie movies. The only scary things come from the source material. And it's actually kind right. of opposite of the, the comedic characters in a horror setting approach where you were instead putting these scary characters right. in mundane situations, almost like what we do in the shadows, but based on existing properties. So, yeah. What we do in the shadows is the closest to a parody, but it's not like it's get while yeah. still being, while still being like its own thing. Good. Cause the problem with like scary movie parodies, at least in my opinion, the first one's pretty that, good. <laughs> yeah, true. But a lot of them, they require knowledge of other films. Like pop culture. And you, and you don't want your film to need that yeah. in general. But I always think of the the, the Ring parody scene oh, in yeah. Scary Movie 3. When you sent that to me, I was like, I've seen this. <laughs> so it's funny. so good. When the ghost, she comes out of the TV like she does in The Ring, and the character Brenda just starts throwing punches. Yeah. So the ghost can't do her like ghost thing, and she just ha- resorts to yeah, like, they punching start her. fighting. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's where the humor comes from, putting horror characters in non-horror situations but so there's another category that doesn't really fit any of the above three bills and what i think is the future of horror comedy and i named it after the guy who did them because there's really nobody else doing it like he does and Mm -hmm. these are the sam raimi movies finally we get to talk about spider-man on the podcast talking about the evil dead franchise and drag me to hell although spider-man 2 like does exemplify some of the stuff of why he's so good at making horror movies. And I'll mention yeah, that Spider-Man too. 3 is also a pretty spooky movie. Yeah. yeah. So we can't talk about horror comedy without talking about him. Although his movies are not outwardly comedic, right? They don't have comedic premises. They're not treated as a parody or a comment on the horror genre. The plot points aren't funny. The characters aren't funny. So like w- the thing that makes it funny is literally his filmmaking, the execution. Like yeah. what's so and cool. And the directing a lot of the time yes. too. What's so cool about Sam Raimi movies is that some people think they're terrifying and then some people think they're hilarious and a lot of people think that they're both. And Raimi understands that a joke and a scare are both executed the exact same way. The setup and then the payoff. So like for a laugh, it's the setup 
and the punchline. And then for a scare, this the suspense, the usually silent suspense, and then the scare. And for magic, it's the prestige and the reveal. <laughs> so instead of making them two separate things and treating them as two separate things, he intertwines them kind of like does like a comedy setup with a scare punchline or a right. Yeah. So um, in evil dead two, especially, which is kind of like evil dead one is more of a horror movie. Well, evil dead two mm-hmm. is more of a horror comedy, although they're both pretty funny. Uh, the content plot and characters are all clearly horror, but the elements that of the film are all heightened. So like the sound design, the dialogue, the camera movements, this is what makes it funny. Like the, the, the screams are ridiculous. The, the, the right. character moments, the, the loud noises, things escalate so quickly. And the tone is heightened so much. It like has to tip into comedy. It like, it gets right. so scary that it's funny. It, it's like we talked about in, our pride special and it, it's not the same exact thing as leaning into camp but the mm-hmm. idea of like heightening a tone is a really interesting way to put it that a horror film can go so heightened like literally the like artistic sense of heightened and that can dip it back over to comedy is like such a it makes so much sense in yeah. in the context of horror film and that's why i mentioned spider-man too because uh, a lot of people will tell you if you go to like film school and stuff that like having a consistent tone through your movie is really important. And for yeah. a lot of genres, it is. But for Sam Raimi movies, I think what makes them great is that the tone shifts so much. Right. Like in Sp- Spider-Man goes from like straight action movie to comedy movie to very scary to very romantic, right. like all at once. Yeah. And it works. And a lot of, yeah. And a lot of like su- a lot of the successful superhero movies after Spider-Man kept that and Mm -hmm. it's a lot of reason it's a lot of the reason that they succeed so well and i think that the idea that tone needs to be the same is a very film school idea and that's maybe why that that comes out because these people in film school then go and write youtube video essays and then people (laughs) think that that's what film theory is but the difference with something like uh, spider-man being the sam raimi that i would be most familiar with Mm -hmm. is the tone may shift but the voice is the same Mm -hmm. that the the writer director voice of the movie is the same throughout. And that allows for you to switch tones without it being jarring to an audience. Right. And uh, so the way Raimi tells and always tells a horrifying story with horrifying characters doing horrifying things, but he, it's the way he tells it is what's funny. Evil. Like if you read evil dead two as a book, it wouldn't be funny. But right. watching it as a movie, it is. It is funny. Yeah. Um, and a couple of scenes that come to mind, mostly from Evil Dead and Drag Me to Hell, which Drag Me to Hell, one of my favorite horror movies. But um, so the bed scene in Drag Me to Hell, uh, where she like lays down to go to sleep and then like the old witch woman w- wakes up next to her. There's yep. the jump scare. Then there's the tension of the fight. And then she vomits flies on her face and it turns <laughs> yeah. immediately to gross out humor. Yeah. And the whole thing is like is is just it is so wacky it like, escalates you're just like, what so fast <laughs> yeah. like the build-up is like there's no it just immediately goes from zero to 60 yeah. Yeah. and i think evil dead there's hundreds of scenes we could talk about in evil dead um yeah. but the one that i sent devin was the scene where like ash is finally going crazy and the laughing yeah. scene where all the taxidermy and stuff starts laughing like that right. is objectively frightening but it's also, also it's a disney world ride yeah yeah it's so like, ridiculous that it's pretty funny yeah and another drag me to hell scene that i or not drag me to hell um evil dead scene that i couldn't find to send to you but is from i think the second one where he's running through the house and he just keeps passing through door frames like 
seemingly an endless amount of door frames as the camera goes insane. And like, he's being chased and objectively scary, but just the sheer amount of door frames (laughs) makes it so funny. That's so good. Um, Sam Raimi is directing the new Doctor Strange movie, right? I think he was. No, they just switched it. Because I know they were like, this is going to be a horror movie. And then they switched directors. Right. Uh, Multiverse of Madness. Madness. Directed by... Directed by Sam Raimi. Yeah. Yes. Oh, then it's going to be so good. I am so excited to see Sammy Ra- Sam Raimi's take on this, especially because yeah. it's. I think he's going to treat it the same way they does all his movies. Um, I hope. Yeah, right now it's rumored, so we don't want it. We're not breaking. We're not. Right, breaking we don't news. have an exclusive that yeah. we know for sure Sam Raimi is doing it, but because I think the intent of it was it to already be kind of a horror movie, right? Right, and then that's kind of why Marvel said no, no, no. Yeah, well, I'm hoping that Sam Raimi teeters more towards Evil Dead than he does Spider-Man, but... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and uh, you can always be sure to text, email, tweet at Sarah Finn telling uh, her to cast me in it, because that'd be great. Uh, (laughs) Did it already start filming? I have have no idea. It's set to come out in 2022, but she casts all the Marvel stuff, so just let her know that I should be in Marvel. Just let her know that wants to be in it, but um, (laughs) yeah, so I, I... think uh the sam raimi technique is a it's a, a hard technique but I, I one that i hope we see in a lot more horror comedy but here first adam is saying <laughs> the future of horror comedy it will be the era of sam raimi i mean he's a great director and it's a, a style that i'd like to see a lot more um but also go and check out some horror comedy movies yeah watch what we do in the shadows oh first. please watch what we do in the shadows it's so, it's so good good and watch abbott and costello meet frankenstein if you need like a good low stakes laugh yeah just watch abbott and costello meet frankenstein it's so good and then go watch who's on first a classic yeah just go <laughs> just forget what i said about watching horror movies just go watch them abbott and costello on youtube yeah for sure uh i think that'll do it for us yeah. here on episode 20 adam this is episode 20 this episode is uh, the show is almost old enough to drink almost old enough to vote not old enough to drink uh but thank you so much for listening if you have been here since the beginning thanks mom uh i'm so glad you've listened to all of these but also truly it's been so much fun to make uh and i am uh, hopeful that we'll continue making it into the future. It is it is so much fun. Yeah, I'm totally and hoping that uh, I don't know what kind of world we'll be in as we approach the Halloween season. Um, but as things start to open up and it begins to become safe to go places or at least cover places and cover stuff that's happening for the haunt season, uh, I really hope we'll be able to uh, bring some of that stuff to you guys. Yeah, and and if we're not in that place, hopefully we can be a place to find that. Yeah. In, a, in a world where, where we can't go out and experience it. But uh, thank you so much for listening to this. If you enjoyed it, please be sure to share it on whatever platform you happen to use for podcasts. On Spotify, you can just copy the episode link, post it somewhere, and the link will automatically be all pretty and nice. On iTunes, you can leave a rate and a review. really helps us out. But the best way to help us out is to spread the word. So tell a friend who likes to get spooked or likes laughing about getting spooked that this podcast is good. We certainly think so. And Adam, can you pimp our social medias? Uh, yes, you can check us out on Twitter at Great Screen Pod or on Facebook at The Great American Scream. Uh, if you have something you'd like us to talk about on the show or you just want to chat and hang out, uh, you can post or tweet at us using the hashtag TGAS. Yes, and a special thank you goes out to Michael Segudo for doing the intro to this podcast and Stevie Viola, who did the music for the podcast. You can check him out on Twitter and YouTube. Adam, I think that's it for us. Yeah, I think so too. I've been Devin Wright. I've been Adam O'Connell. And you know what? This week, 
You can, oh. you can go get spooked, but also go laugh. Yeah, go. Hopefully you have laughed at this podcast. <laughs> go laugh some more. Go laugh some more, but laugh safely, please. Yeah. <laughs> you might get the hiccups if you laugh too hard. Yeah.